Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one, The Irony War, written by Wolfie Wonka. Excerpt from Autobiography of a Yalek Vanguard, concerning the Irony Wars, the first major galactic conflict, copyright Beleveriso, Publishing Bureau, 2763. Any attempt to copy the publishing for profit without direct consent from PBP will result in a fine of 400 standard credits and the first-tier galactic crime marker was well as a local penalty. You have been warned. Contact the regional enforcer for information on the second galactic agreement. We were told that humanity was a cold, savage, brutally efficient race and that it was known as true, for there was proof. We heard that when they slaughtered 11 million of their own like animals, just to better one man's political power, we heard of countless deaths due to the endless conflict their own species, the swift elimination of everything in their path. We thought that they were monsters, but we were told it was so. I suppose that this was a white lie. Successful propaganda is always based on truth. It made sense most of us elicited non-stop terror that was humanity, but there was always more to the truth. We first contacted humanity in what is known as the Great Contact. This period was marked when the most of the major cultures in the galaxy developed quantum communications and reached out across the galaxy. We found each other still nestled in our respective systems. You see... Instant communication was developed far before common FTL travel. For a time, faster-than-light travel was universally deemed impossible. Even the humans, the great achievers they are, believed this for a while. However, one human knew better. Rakesh Alderay knew the mathematics, the great founder of progress, now held it back. Conventional math constrained, so the human forged into the irrational, disregarding the bonds of logic that had been created by his predecessors. At the expense of vast amounts of resources and his own sanity, he achieved the impossible, the irrational, the FTL engine. It was humanity refined, their greatest neglected gift, creativity finally being able to use the reach the summit of achievement, possibly only the unique flaws being a human could offer. It was not long until my species first saw them face to face, harmless, until we began to talk. Now you may think we were already talking to the humans, but that is untrue, for there is a difference between communicating and talking. When we contracted them through quantum communicators, only the strictest information passed through there, and admittedly, our governments, no culture, no background, no history was shared. When those first humans let slip a tongue, the real tongue, we were horrified. Genocides, war, greedy negligence, all passed through the barrier that was tightly controlled communications. And what was once a hole in the dam became a gaping moor of humanity's dark past. 
as we learned more about humanity, the more we hated the notion of it, for we regarded ourselves as guardians of peace. Before they had a chance to rectify their name, we cut them off. Quantum links were slashed and trade was forbidden. For a century, bad blood brewed. Opposite ideals became sin. Evil acts exaggerated until our own dam broke. Jingoist angers broke forth and a century worth of concentrated hate was directed on the nearest human colony, Armistice 4. It was a massacre, defenseless and quiet. It was vigorously combed by bloodthirsty soldiers until the streets ran the red of their blood, including I, a new recruit lusting for the glory of slaughtering humans. I realized after that if we were true guardians of peace, I, and countless others like I, would have never joined the war band. But of course, it was too late. Events were already set in motion. We wondered why it took humanity so long to respond. After all, they were the ones who knew how to wage war. The answer was sickening. Far from the radical propaganda our governments had boasted, humans were not the fact prepared for a bloody war. They were no longer slaughtering each other by the millions. They were not the hated thing that we developed a distaste for. When our preemptive scouts returned, they told us of marvelous world in which isolation and unification had bred peace and prosperity. Irony in its highest form. We grieved for them and for what we had become. But terror began to slowly trickle through. Our grief fermented and created a torrent before the long propaganda started. A funny thing, propaganda... It twists the soul and corrupts the mind. In those few months, it bent our sorrow and regret into feral emotions of fear and aggression. The rationality that we were so dear into irrational. Again, the irony was thick, and what had brought greatness in humans seemed to drive us to our lowest point. Irrationality. The conflict of ideals. The conflict of irony. What hypocrites we were. Although humans had established a society based on peace, they had not forgotten the grim beginnings. While we braced for the inevitable blow, humanity once again rekindled its ancient predisposition towards war. They were even better than us in rallying troops, for they did not advertise the glory of it. They had learnt the lesson. No, humanity fought because it was furious, enraged. Our slaughter of their colonists broke their old rules of war that they had disregarded ever so often. And now we had truly poked the beast in slumber. For two of their years we waited in apprehension. And in two years they restructured their society on their old hated principle. War. It took ten months to collect a third of their ore cloud and another ten to build the largest war fleet the galaxy had ever seen. No great feat, for this war was the first of its kind. Sure, there were minor squabbles for star systems, but never something this large. This wasn't for some system, but for an entire species, an entire ideology. From the stardust would emerge a single victor. The humans were determined to make it themselves. From their ornate cities came weapons of mass destruction, of their splendid capital's deadly machines. They had not forgotten how to conduct their ancient sport. 
They struck us with a fist of cold steel and hot gas. They took no interest in colonies or outposts. In the vastest of space, these were trivial. There were no line, only our world and theirs. I remember the day, looking up, seeing the multitude of short, tiny orange and yellow specks peppering the sky, like stars appearing violently only to vanish immediately after. These were the kinetics, horrifying things. As the surface vanguard, I knew what these things did, and did well. Rather than burn and melt like our energy weapons tended to do, these command a complete destruction. Projectiles that could only see how they began in a flash of the loudest thunder, and their grisly end was the buried in themselves in or vaporizing your comrade. No telltale blue streaks, only the sound like some deadly insect. Your hope. These things kill before you can hear them. Ever try to dodge anything that you cannot hear nor see before it's too late? And the tactics. From their past, they'd learned a hard lesson. One we'd learned quickly as we fought them on the surface. War is not fair, and they didn't play it that way. You'd better hope humans don't have an inkling of where you're positioned. They'd either overwhelm you, outgun you, or kill you before you knew that they were there. Personally, I saw a fellow vanguard isolated, swarmed by over twenty troops. The fool fought to the bitter end. Have you ever seen the machines of war? Lumbering behemoths of titanium and rubber that ignore buildings. Swarms of nanites that rend the flesh. I have. Shining cylinders of flattened discs. Small flying squares that send fifty men to their graves. Yes, I have. Where there's the glory, you ask? There is none. In their opinion, there is no glory at all. They hate war. Why is humanity so good at it, you ask? It is because it is in their blood. They were created by war, shaped by it. It is their substance, yet they struggled against it. If they didn't, it wouldn't consume them, as it almost has in the past. And when they don't, however, the results are terrifying. So, when we raised the colony and slaughtered their citizens, they forgot how to control their primal urge. They made a planet fall only a two-weeks battle on the sky. It would have been quick had we not expected the Blitzkrieg, a strategy developed from one of their many intraspecies conflicts, before the humans could gain a proper foothold around the both of our two moons. Our mass fleets reached and repelled their forces long enough for additional Yedic ships to arrive from the scattered colonies. For a week and a half, a steady stream of reinforcements bolstered our line at our closer moon, Nama. At the same time, human supply ships ran resupply their massive fleet clusters around the second, smaller moon, Menra. For what seemed like ages, a stalemate was reached, weary human ships battling, although less in number, fresh Yadik ships. Neither side seemed to dominate to orbit. It was unclear if it would happen. Ensigns came back haunted from their destruction, suffering from onslaught of paranoia. I met one while waiting for a long battle to be brought to the ground. Hegro, it has been a long span. Hegro spun faster than a trigger could be squeezed, and in a heartbeat he had me by my neck. I will never forget the look of pure anxiety in his eyes. Twitching, he exclaimed, Oh, Vigio! Scanning the bar that we were at again. 
He let out a burst of nervous laughter. I thought you were, uh, I don't know what I thought you were. Brought out of my shock, I asked her, Are you all right? Probably not. I paused. Well, do you want some Valium? Looks like you need it, I said, looking at the nerve-wracked frame over. That sounds good. He continued to recount his experiences fighting the human ships. Unlike ours, they were moderately ornate with various symbols and images painted on their sides, most common being human head bones, their females in pose, and arrangements of five-pointed polygrams. I then asked them about their weapons. He shuddered and let out one ominous sentence escape. In space, you don't take prisoners. He was silent after that, and I never saw him again. Suppose no one did. Finally, they reached the surface. They came in droves, in squads and in pairs. Massive deployments of millions of troops shook the earth as tens of thousands of sleek grey transports landed in Union, and your bones would shake when countless rubber boots carrying dense bodies stomped a swath across the deserts, plains, and forests. Your very soul shook when they found a target. One day, that target was me. I was in the 329th Rakjol, the equivalent of 2.5 human platoons. I was tasked with defending Kyoshko against the incoming onslaught in the form of 23 million pairs of boots. It was a relatively even match, and with the defending position, we were confident that we would succeed to hold the city. Defensive positions, mad, we finally spotted the massive troops, neatly organized in two rows and columns that never seemed to stop coming over the horizon. They dressed in green-gray textiles, blocks of armor that seemed impossible to carry, their helmets, dull black and pocketed with scars of previous battles, contained a sophisticated visor that glowed a gentle blue. As if that wasn't enough, thin strips of metal ran the length of their limbs and along their spine, which, I'd learned later, enhanced their already impressive strength and endurance. Quite simply, it was one of the most terrifying things that I'd ever experienced. As they neared, I heard a terrible whistling. Veterans of other battles, I knew what this meant. I crouched pitifully and blocked my ears. A confused recruit looked down at me, and before I could warn him, a jagged piece of iron had made it home in his skull. A torrential downpour of explosive spheres buffeted my ordinary senses. When it ceased, I looked over the edge to the broken wall that I took cover on. A sea of now charging humans greeted my eyes, escaping from every one of the orange blooms of gunfire and a primal roar of rage. By this time, we had mostly recovered. White-hot plasma was flung from turrets along the wall, cutting and slews of humans at a time. Smoking holes appeared and gushing red with beams of highly concentrated photons met flesh and steel. Yet, they still came on, some coming with half of their face or limb. They didn't seem to die unless completely annihilated, and fought with whatever they could spend, which was either their life or their consciousness. It was in that moment that I knew that it was hopeless. Suddenly, a small cylinder with holes drilled in it appeared at my left, skidding along the cracked and blood-stained cement. Everything turned white and streaks of pain bolted through my brain, then black as something thudded against my head.
I awoke in a metal chair in a small metal room at a metal table which had accumulated a fair amount of saliva from my open mouth. I looked around, and to my left saw stars out a circular porthole. Realizing that I was not restrained, I stretched my limbs and relaxed. I suppose I should have fought to escape, but for some reason I chose not to. A few increments later, the metal door opened. My warrior instincts soared, but I dismissed them. What would I do? They didn't bring me to this place to die. Out from it strode a human male clad in the same grey-green textile, but this time without the massive armor surrounding it. He sat down at the chair opposite me and gave me a stare. I returned the favor. Oddly, I felt entranced by the soft eyes. The muscles inside them moved ever so slightly, like an expanding pool, unlike mine, which is hidden behind a wall of smooth, translucent crystal. You're the first one to not attack me today, the human said in my language, holding up a previously concealed stun rod in his hand. He dropped it on the table between us. Lazily, I shifted in my chair. Well, what would I have done? I'm not stupid, human. He thoughtfully looked at me again, and I could see his mind working through those eyes. That's a good start, he finally remarked. Intrigued, I asked. Start to what? He answered ambiguously. Would you like to rebuild your people? Of course. The human paused. Would you like to become the next hegemon? I no longer sat idly in my chair. Hegemon? I was shooting at you not a few degrees ago. Rotations, the human corrected, and we think that you're in the right person to do the job. I grew suspicious and leaned forward in the chair. Why, you seem to be intelligent, capable of being a strong leader, and you decided to not attack when we met. All speak of qualities, the human drew his breath through his freshly pink mouth, that we require. I knew where this was going. Why do you want the Gaelic hegemon? Should you could raise the planet and establish a flourishing human colony? We could, the human admitted, but it is not our way. We do not enjoy that particular destruction. I tensed. You certainly seem to enjoy that kind of destruction during your world wars, I said coldly. The human's eyes flashed with a bright anger and then settled into a somber dullness. You're right. Violence is at the very core of every human. We revel in it, but it does not mean that we enjoy what we have done. Guilt is as strong as the glory of battle. We have made our mistakes, and we are not proud of them. He stiffened, but so have you. We do not take well to injury. We know, and I am sorry for them, I said dismissively. I leaned in, but what is the real reason for letting us stay? Surely it cannot be only for the goodness of your hearts. The human grinned, a predatory, worrisome thing. You know us better than ourselves. Very well. We need a foreign trade outlet, you see. Our domestic market has grown stale, and the war has strained us. We need the Yenok. So, I'm to become your puppet. Not at all. You may, of course, exercise sovereign power, but you must be prone to, uh... He adopted a different tone and moved forward until he was almost touching faces. Suggestion. I see. Leaning back, I said, so another irony to top this off idiotic war indeed. Indeed.
End of excerpt for our outside Yadic human joint education and purchase for the source novel. Please contact the Barverico Publishing Bureau. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.